What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, and I am a guy who loves movies and occasionally will hate a movie. And that, unfortunately, is what this episode is about. I'm going to share with you my top five worst movies of the year. We'll also get into the biggest box office bombs of 2022 and what went wrong there because not every movie on that list is actually a bad movie. In the movie review, we'll talk about a movie called Spoiler Alert, which is out in theaters now. Yes, that is the title of the movie. It's not a warning. The movie is called Spoiler Alert and stars Jim Parsons. And then in the trailer park, we'll talk about the new Guardians of the Galaxy trailer for Volume 3, which is the final chapter in the trilogy. Thank you for being subscribed and listening every single Monday. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie crew. Here we go. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. As we wind down the year, I feel like, or at least I'm hopeful that we've seen all of the bad movies that we're going to get for this year. The verdict is still out on Avatar 2, but I've actually seen some good things about that movie so far. So in a couple episodes, I will give you my top 10 movies of the year, but I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to the bad because it's fun to talk about movies that we hate sometimes. And I feel like there have been few and far between bad movies this year, which is good overall. But the movies that made my top five lists were just really bad in some of the worst movies I've seen in a very long time. I gave out my first ever zero. And some of these movies were so bad that I couldn't even scrape together a review so some of these I watched and I was like, I, I don't have anything positive to say. There's nothing 
constructively I can break down about this movie, that is how bad some of these were. So I feel like we're dealing with two polar opposite ends of movies this year. We had some really great ones. I gave out a five this year, and then we're going to get into the bad now. So let's kick it off with number five. The movie I gave a one out of five rating is Morbius, and it's rare for a Marvel movie to end up on a list like this. But this isn't the MCU Marvel. This is the Sony side of Marvel. What I think went wrong with this movie is you're dealing with a character that nobody really cares about. And it's hard to get invested in that. And it's also about vampires. And there's a very thin line when it comes to an on-screen adaptation of a vampire story. It's often viewed as being overall pretty cheesy. So then you take that, you put Jared Leto in this, which he is an actor that oftentimes when he gets cast in something, it kind of makes me question wanting to watch it or not. So this was also a movie I wasn't rushing into the theater to see, even though I'm a huge Marvel fan. Even the bad movies, I can find some enjoyment in. This movie served no purpose in the little world they're trying to create on the Sony side with Venom, with having a small attachment to Spider-Man. I just think it's the Morbius character. He was fine in the Spider-Man cartoon, but I never really saw him and thought they should make an entire movie on him and prove that you can't just make any superhero movie and have a lot of success. I think the only enjoyment I really got out of this movie was seeing everybody rip it online. And I think that's kind of where the interest generated in this is once you build that reputation of just being a bad movie, there's no recovering from that. So at number five, I went with Morbius. At number four, looky here, we have another vampire movie. It is Day Shift, which came out on Netflix, stars Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. And now you take vampires and you add in comedy or an attempt at comedy and you're dealing with some tricky waters here. So this movie was pretty bad from the very beginning. It was a movie I really had to force myself to get through. And you take somebody like Jamie Foxx, who is so charismatic and he is a great leading actor, but everything just fell short in this movie. I think it was trying to be too much like a 2010s comedy Maybe that's because Dave Franco was in it, but I found his character so utterly annoying and made the entire plot of the movie unbearable to watch. And they're both pretty good actors, Jamie Foxx especially. He's an Oscar-winning actor, but you put him in a movie like this and it felt so phoned in and the story was so dumb. And I think that goes back again to the vampires. Stop making movies about vampires. The only benefit from this movie is I was able to watch it from the comfort of my house and didn't have to spend any money on a ticket or on gas to get to the theater. So that is the only reason this one ranked up a little bit higher than Morbius, but both pretty bad standing at a one out of five rating for me still. Hopefully you avoided this movie too and didn't fall into the traps that is a Netflix comedy. So at number four is Day Shift. At number three, I'm going with Disney Plus's Pinocchio, which I also gave a one out of five rating. You take one of the greatest American actors of our lifetime, Tom Hanks, and you put him in a starring role. And you think with him and the magic of Disney, how could you get one of the most beloved fairy tale stories from Disney of all time? How could it be bad? It was bad. 
I don't know who this movie was for because what this movie did was take all of the magic and warmness of the original story and completely dilute it and take everything away that made that original one special. I'm just not a fan in general of all the live action Disney remakes. I would rather see a Disney sequel live action than them try to retell a story and feel very much like a cash grab to me. The CGI in this movie wasn't even that great. And maybe it's because it was a straight to streaming movie. It kind of feels like a straight to DVD scenario that we used to have back in the 90s and 2000s. That is exactly what this movie is. And I don't know if Disney's just trying that approach now. They're kind of bringing that back with the movies they put on Disney Plus. But I feel like to really build their service, they got to put some quality stuff out there and not just slapping on an A-list actor and a franchise that we all already know and trying to make us stay as subscribers over there. So I thought this was a pretty big misstep for Disney+, Plus, and the movie just lacked imagination. It lacked that Disney magic and was a movie that probably should not have been made. I hope they don't ruin any more titles like they did this movie. So at number three with a one out of five is Pinocchio. At number two was a movie I thought was going to be pretty good. It stars Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, and it's called Deep Water. This movie, I gave a 0.5 out of 5 rating. I may have given it a 1 in my initial review, but thinking more about that movie and more about the lack of plot, I'm reducing a 0.5 and giving it a 0.5 out of 5. This movie was supposed to be and was pitched as a psychological thriller in the trailer, And I felt like there was going to be some mystery and some action and a dark secret that was going to unfold. But let me tell you, if you haven't seen Deep Water, nothing happens in this movie. Absolutely no plot line whatsoever. It's a bunch of people being sad and angry at each other and cheating on each other. And Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas hooking up and it being so weird and awkward. And I think Deep Water has one of the worst endings I've ever seen in a movie. It was comical. It's an ending that I could see winding up on YouTube in 10 years and people looking at how ridiculous this ending was. And this was a movie I just didn't want to finish, but I knew that there were some things to talk about to do a review on it that I powered through it. But if I didn't have this podcast, there is no way I would have finished watching this movie. That's kind of my rule is if I'm going to rate and review a movie, I got to watch it till the very end to give my full thoughts on it. So I powered through this movie for you. That is what I do on this podcast. So under no circumstance should you ever watch Deep Water. If you did and enjoyed it, let me know because I would like to know what other movies you enjoy. So at number two with a 0.5 out of five rating is Deep Water. Before I get into my number one, here are some dishonorable mentions because I asked this question on my socials and some of you sent in these that I don't exactly agree with, but I'll share them here. Mackenzie said Jurassic World Dominion, which I agree wasn't the best movie, but I wouldn't put it on my worst. I did find some enjoyment in that. It did come out in the summer when I wanted a big blockbuster movie, but I could see if you were a real big fan of the original, how let down you would have been by that one. So 
I wouldn't judge you for putting that on your worst list. A lot of you guys said Bullet Train, which is a movie I actually liked. I really enjoyed the action in that movie, but I could see if you were going in expecting more of like a Quentin Tarantino style action movie and the comedy didn't really land for you. I could see that movie being kind of a pain for you to watch, but I love mindless action movies and I thought that movie was pretty fun. So that would have leaned more towards my best action movies of the year, but all of our tastes are different, we see. Verg on Facebook said the Munsters movie, which my mom would agree with you on that one. And Jennifer on Facebook also said the Minions is Rise of Gru. I'll admit that wasn't the best movie, but I don't really expect the Minion movies to be the best movies ever. But I still found some enjoyment in that movie just because I love how dumb they are. So maybe that's my guilty pleasure movie of the year. But now at number one, my worst movie of 2022 with a zero out of five rating is the movie Amsterdam. Now, the only good thing I have to say about this movie is I now have my worst movie of all time. I get that question a lot. And Amsterdam, hands down, is the worst movie I've ever seen. And the only movie that I have ever walked out of the theater. And I was just telling you that my rule is I have to watch every movie to the very end if I'm going to review it. And that is the reason I never reviewed Amsterdam on this podcast. The movie was also very long and about an hour and a half in when I realized there was another hour to come. I was like, what are they going to do for the rest of this hour? My wife and I decided let's just leave. Like there is no value in staying and watching this movie. And that is the first time I have ever done that. This movie had a lot of red flags and walking in to watch this movie, I saw the poster and there was no image of any actor. There was nothing about what the movie was about. It was just all the A-list actors listed. And I told my wife, Kelsey, that this movie is going to be bad because whenever a movie does that, that means they are trying to sell you on their star power and not the actual contents of this movie. The most surprising thing about Amsterdam is it was pitched and credited as a mystery comedy. I found that completely ridiculous because there was nothing funny about this movie. I will say in the first 10 minutes, one of the A-list actors gets hit by a car and I don't think that moment was supposed to be funny, but the way it looked was so cheap and ridiculous that I found only that to be the funny scene in the entire movie. It felt like the director was having a hard time wrangling all these A-list actors and giving them any direction whatsoever. It was almost like he told them, hey, just do whatever you want. There was no real script in this movie and it all just kind of felt like when you have a really weird dream and try to tell somebody else about that dream and you forget a lot of details, that is what Amsterdam was. So at number one, with the lowest rating of the year, zero point zero. Amsterdam is my worst movie of 2022. And now I want to go through the biggest box office bombs of the year. And just because some of these movies made the list doesn't mean they are entirely bad movies. And I'll tell you about those. But these are the movies that had the lowest return on investment of the year. And number 10 is a movie we talked about earlier, Morbius. The movie cost $75 million to make and made about $160 million. So on paper, you think, oh, they made a lot of that money back. But if you remember from the episode we did about how movies make money, that's not all the money they bring home. 
the movie theaters take home at least 40 to 45 percent of that and then you have to spend another 35 to 40 million to promote that movie and not only that that movie built a very bad reputation so anything else attached to that movie making a sequel is very grim you don't get any of those other perks and extras out of that movie so that's the number 10 bomb of the year at number nine is the unbearable weight of massive talent from Lionsgate. the movie cost 30 million dollars to make and only made about 30 million dollars as well in the end it's in the red and i actually don't think this was a terrible movie i just think this movie didn't really find its audience. I watched this movie and I enjoyed it, but I also like the weirdest that is Nicolas Cage and the movie is very meta. So it was almost like who exactly is this movie going to appeal to if you're not just a big Nicolas Cage fan. So I felt like for that reason, it didn't really resonate with anybody else. And unless you wanted to watch just a really odd comedy centered around him you weren't really telling other people that you have to watch this movie but i actually don't think this is a bad movie if you're a fan of nicholas cage and missed this movie i still think you should check it out and decide for yourself at number eight is the northman the movie cost between 70 to 90 million dollars to make there wasn't an official reporting on that but it only made 69 nice 0.9 million dollars at the box office and i think that's the price you pay whenever you make a movie with a lot of visual effects a lot of stunning cinematography this movie is based in mythology so it just kind of has that game of thrones look and i'm gonna be honest when i see a movie trailer like that it's really hard for me to get into it it's hard for me to be excited and put it on my list of movies i want to watch so that is not a movie that i would rush to the theater to see it's a movie that i waited until later till I could watch it at home and that's just kind of the world we live in now I like that you can decide some movies warrant the big screen I feel a movie like this is more a movie I would want to watch at home at my own pacing but when you spend that much money on a movie like this you're really riding on it to do well at the box office but if you don't generate the interest people aren't going to see it. So anytime I see a movie based in like mythology, a period piece movie, I just know those movies are going to struggle, even though they can be good movies too. And number seven is the Bob's Burgers movie, which cost $38 million to make and only made $34.2 million. That one hurts. Another movie that, again, it's not a bad movie. I just don't think a Bob's Burgers movie was really going to rush people into the movie theater. It's another movie I waited until it was available for me to watch at home for free. But I know it does have a dedicated fan base and people really love that show. But I didn't feel as invested of needing to see that movie in theaters. I think it's also just a movie that probably would have been a more natural fit to go straight on to streaming. Probably would have done a little bit better without having to pay all of that money to get it in theaters because it's a niche market. It's the Bob's Burgers fans, and you also have to get those fans into the theater. And it also came out during the summer when a lot of other big movies were happening. You had Top Gun out in theaters. You had Jurassic Park. So people had to decide what to go watch. So maybe it was like a counter-programming thing, but as we see from the numbers, it didn't quite work out for them. At number six was the movie Bros, which cost $22 million to make and only made $14.7 million. And I actually really enjoyed Bros a lot. I thought it was funny, maybe one of the funniest romantic comedies I've seen in the last five years. And I think the problem here is romantic comedies are really hard to get people in the theaters to watch if 
you don't have an A-list actor to get them there. So unless it's a movie like The Lost City where you have Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock or Ticket to Paradise when you have Julia Roberts and George Clooney, it's hard to make people care and go watch a romantic comedy in theaters. Netflix is having more success because they don't have that overhead of getting it into a theater. I wish more people would have seen this movie because I found it funny, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, it was a bomb. At number five is Cyrano, which cost $30 million to make and only made $6.4 million. That is rough. I think this is another case of a period movie that nobody cared about. At number four was Amsterdam, which we were talking about. The movie cost $80 million to make and only made $31 million. That is a major, major loss for this movie with so many A-list actors. And I'm not entirely convinced that this movie wasn't made in order to just be a tax write-off for all these actors. Because I believe, after I did some digging about this, is if a movie like this does so poorly, they can write it off as a loss in their income. I just wondered, like, how can a movie like this, that is so bad, at some point, people just not pull the plug on? How does this movie actually come out when it is so bad? At number three, this one's surprising to me, is Lightyear from Disney. It cost $200 million to make and only made $226 million. So didn't really recoup a whole lot of that. I actually enjoyed Lightyear because it felt like a fun sci-fi movie to me. But I think what most people were expecting was to see a continuation in the Toy Story world. And that's not what this movie was. And then you also had the why is Chris Evans the voice of him and not Tim Allen. And people got angry for no reason. I think Disney was just trying to do something different in this origin story. But a lot of those details really didn't make sense. And the movie got pretty harshly criticized within the first couple weeks, leading to people not wanting to go see it. And this is a movie I saw getting criticized before it was even out. So that's hard going into a release week, which it saw some pretty harsh numbers its opening weekend. I think one of the worst for Disney in a very long time. And I thought this movie was going to be a major hit. And even though I liked it, I could kind of see that I don't think most kids would like this movie. It felt more like a movie geared towards the kids who have grown up since the original Toy Story It felt more like a Star Wars sci-fi movie than it did a Toy Story movie. So you lose that charm of Toy Story and therefore create some lack of interest. And again, it also had some hard competition in the summer with other movies out like Jurassic World and Top Gun Maverick, which just dominated. And at the end of the day, it was a rough year for a lot of people. You had all this inflation. People, you know, we had to be very particular on what we wanted to go spend our money on at the movie theater. And for some people, as it shows, Lightyear just wasn't it. At number two was the disaster film Moonfall. And you know, I love me a disaster movie. So I did find some enjoyment in this, but it was a flop overall because it cost between 138 and 146 million and only made $67.3 million for Lionsgate. That is pretty bad. And This movie looked expensive, and I thought for the most part, it was a pretty decent disaster film. They're supposed to be cheesy. They're supposed to be ridiculous. But this movie, I would say and agree that it really fell off there in the third act, really fell off in the ending and didn't match the rest of the movie. 
the movie is about a group of astronauts and some conspiracy theorists who try to save Earth after they realize the moon is hurling towards it. And you even had some A-listers in this one. You had Halle Berry, Michael Pena, but I think it was all the harsh reviews they had early on. And people who don't really get disaster movies that, yes, the plot is supposed to be unbelievable and ridiculous, but I think the confusion is what turned people off more. So this was a pretty big loss for Lionsgate, losing them about $140 million. And at number one is a movie still out in theaters right now. The computer animated Disney movie called Strange World. It costs between $130 and $185 million to make. And as I'm recording this podcast, has only made $43 million worldwide, which is a giant loss for Disney. What I think greatly led to the flop of this movie was the marketing. I didn't hear a whole lot about this movie aside from seeing the trailer back when I watched the movie during the summer. And I was like, yeah, that looks all right. But after that, I heard nothing about it aside from a clip I saw on TikTok between Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid where they forgot they were in a movie together. They forgot they were in the day after tomorrow. That was really the only marketing I saw from Strange World. I also think that title is pretty forgettable. It almost feels like a working title. And the characters don't really have any distinct qualities about them that made them memorable. It just kind of felt like, ah, oh, here's another Disney movie to come out. We'll put it out in November and people will just go to see it around Thanksgiving. And as we see, nobody really did. And I thought this was another interesting decision for Disney. I don't really understand their logic into what goes into theaters and what goes on to Disney+. Plus. But I think ultimately they made the wrong move here because they're going to end up losing about $140 million on this movie. So that is it. What I think are the worst movies of the year and what has been proven to be the biggest box office bombs of the year. If you think another movie deserved to make the worst list, let me know. Hit me up at Mike Distro on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Or shoot me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. 
Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Let's get into our movie review now. I want to talk about spoiler alert. I got the tickets for this movie. I walked up to the guy who scans the tickets, and as he scans them, he hands me a pack of tissues with the name of the movie written across from them. And I felt like that was a bit ambitious. You go into what is being dubbed as a sad movie and saying, here are these tissues because you're going to need them. That's a bold statement. And for me, it's very hard to cry in a movie. It's very hard for me to even cry in real life. I wish I had that emotion that would just come out of me, but it just doesn't. And sometimes people ask me, like, what's a good movie to make you cry? I don't know. I'm terrible to ask that. So you hand me a pack of tissue saying this movie is going to make me cry. I'm going to hold it to a little bit of a higher standard. You're telling me that you've made that movie that's going to make me feel. Let's see about that. So before I get into my full review, here is just a little bit of the trailer from Spoiler Alert. Kit, what is going on? Are you all right? Calm down off the ledge, Mike. I'm seeing a doctor tomorrow. I'm afraid the news isn't good. I was always afraid Kit would break my heart, and eventually he did. He broke it open. I've only got So what this movie is about, it is a love story. It is based on a real-life memoir by Michael Asialo, and he is a TV writer, and he is a founder of TV Line, which I'm familiar with. If you've searched out some stories about TV shows, you've probably read an article from TV Line, and it's all about his relationship after finding the love of his life, Kit. They spend 14 years together and then find out that Kit has cancer and then are going through this journey together. So riding all of those waves of emotions. And I always say it's all about the journey the characters go through, even though you know the ending. The movie is called Spoiler Alert. It's setting you up knowing what's going to happen to the hero in this story at the end. But it's all about what happens in between and the emotions that you feel from that. So me knowing that in the back of my head, what is going to happen, didn't really take away from it. If anything, it made me enjoy it more because inside, as you see their relationship develop and as you see how their characters are depicted, you think, well, maybe they change it up. Maybe something else happens. So that is kind of what you're hoping throughout the entire movie. And it really does make you care about both of them. And I think what really worked in this movie is they did a really good job at depicting real life. It just felt like that slice of life story that I was looking for. And oftentimes when you make a romantic comedy, romantic drama, everything feels like a fairy tale. You fall in love, everything is great. And then in this case, something bad happens and then all these other things follow after that. But in this movie, not everything is great throughout the entire movie. It shows the ups and downs that you would have in a 14 year relationship. And I just felt like that added another level. It gave these characters a little bit more depth that it didn't feel like this superficial story. And I think it's because it is based on a memoir. It is real life. The entire story just felt more authentic. The movie is directed by Michael Showalter, who also did 
a movie that I really enjoyed called The Big Sick, and that's probably what I would compare this movie to the most, but he's also done things like The Eyes of Tammy Faye. He directed some episodes of The Dropout, which is weird to see him doing all these big dramas because I know him from his Comedy Central show from back in the day, Michael and Michael Have Issues. So in my head, he is like this comedic guy, but to see him take on all of these other projects, I'm really gaining a lot of respect for Michael Showalter. So this is another great step in his directing career. And then you have Jim Parsons, who you mainly know as Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory, which that show only ended back in 2019. So he's not that far removed from it. And to have such a big, iconic role under your belt that everybody just knows you for, you see him, you think Sheldon. A lot of actors who are known for one role, especially when it comes to TV, have a really hard time shaking that. But I have to say, while watching spoiler alert i didn't think of him as sheldon i felt like he easily just transcends that character so i didn't find that distracting at all i wasn't waiting on him to say bazinga or anything like that although his character is a little bit nerdy in this movie i feel like maybe that's just a little bit of his personality aside from that i didn't really associate him with sheldon at all so i hope he gets the opportunity to do more roles like this and doesn't really get typecast or just memorized as being sheldon you also have Sally Field in this movie. If you need an actor to go through all the highs and lows of a drama like this, you get Sally Field and she just crushes this role. She is really perfect as the mom in this movie. The other thing I really enjoyed is because he is a TV writer. He writes about TV shows. He interviews people. A lot of those TV elements are put into this movie. So some of the flashbacks from his childhood are him on a TV set. They depict it as like a family sitcom. And you learn more about him throughout these flashbacks and these scenes. I thought that was a really nice touch to bring it all together. It was kind of combining my love of movies and love for TV all into one movie. I also love the hint of Christmas throughout this movie. Not entirely a Christmas movie, but the holiday does play a part into this story. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit holiday-ish, but not a full-on Christmas movie. So the question is, did this movie make me cry? I say that I have a heart made of stone. And even if I watch the saddest thing ever, it's very hard for me to cry because it's hard to get that invested in it. But when it came to spoiler alert, I got the closest I've ever been to crying in a movie probably since Avengers Endgame, which also isn't that long ago, but that movie was, you know, 10 plus years in the making. I was going to feel emotional in that. Maybe got a little bit misty-eyed during No Way Home, but outside of like all these characters that I know from like superhero movies, this is really the only movie to do it based on the story not based on anything else that I came in with before. And there are some scenes in this that really crush you. It's a very, what I feel like is a realistic depiction of somebody's fight through cancer. And I'm fortunate enough that I haven't had to face that with anyone in my family, but I've seen people around me go through it. And no, it's a very difficult thing to say the least. And there's one scene in this movie, particularly when the diagnosis is revealed, and you don't even see the character react on screen. It's just the sound that he makes after that. That really kind of gets you and makes it feel more realistic. I found like this movie did that a lot throughout. It was sometimes the silence or the choice not to show certain things that were really powerful. So shout out to director Michael Showalter for that nice little touch in that. So the movie did make me pretty emotional and I will say it had one of my favorite uses of a song in a movie in the last five years. I am a big fan 
of sad music. When I looked at my top genre of 2022, it was just sad. Like that's all I listen to when I'm sitting here at this desk working on things. I just listen to sad music. And one of my favorite artists ever is Julian Baker. And she put out an album back in 2015 called Sprained Ankle. And I remember listening to this album over and over again and thought, if I ever make a movie, I'm going to put one of these songs in the saddest scene of the movie. And spoiler alert did that. They used the title track Sprained Ankle in one of the saddest montages in this movie. And it worked perfectly. So the soundtrack just took this movie on another level for me. And this was also a movie I wasn't expecting to enjoy as much as I did. Honestly, it was a movie that my wife was more interested in watching, but I'm glad I wanted to see it because I think the trailer didn't really do it justice. It was all those little details in between that make the story. Yes, it is sad and emotional, but there's just so much more there that I hope more people go and check out this movie. So for spoiler alert, I give it four out of five tissues. There were moments in this movie where the entire theater got quiet and I could just hear people sniffling. So if you're in need of a good cry, check out spoiler alert. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Another Marvel trilogy is coming to an end. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be the final chapter in this saga. And this movie, I feel like, is going to be the most emotional chapter yet. So before I get into what I think about the new Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, here is just a little bit of the preview. We were gone for quite a while. But no matter what happens next... The galaxy still needs its guardians. We have been running our whole lives. Pete, I'm done running. We'll all fly away together. One last time. 
I think the ultimate thing a Marvel movie can do is get you in the feels in the trailer. The only other Marvel movie that has done that recently was Wakanda Forever. And that movie, of course, is on an entirely different level. But I think like Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy is in that same realm of it feels entirely different from everything else in the MCU and doesn't really get enough recognition when it comes to how emotional all these movies are. Because they are funny, they have a great soundtrack, they have a really great cast. But the Guardians of the Galaxy movie also take you on an emotional roller coaster, learning about Peter Quill and all the things he's gone through. I felt like they've really developed his character throughout all of the movies. And in this movie, it looks like we're going to get more backstory from some of the characters, including Rocket Raccoon, who is one of the best Marvel characters, and he's so witty and raw and honest in all of the movies and kind of the jerk. But there are just some moments where you get a little bit of Rocket Raccoon and you think, oh man, he is this more in-depth character. And I feel like we're going to get some good backstory on him here. And even in this trailer, you see little baby Rocket Raccoon, kind of like we saw a baby Groot. And you know, from watching The Mandalorian, whenever you have a baby something, it's going to be good. So all of the original cast is back. You have James Gunn back directing this movie. He directed the other two movies. He's also done movies like The Suicide Squad. He did Peacemaker on HBO Max. So he is involved in the Marvel side and the DC side. I think having him behind this movie was very important. And kind of what Ryan Coogler is doing with Black Panther, I feel like he is doing with Guardians of the Galaxy. He is making it his own and he puts a lot of himself into these movies and that is why I think they are so successful and so distinct. And in this movie, it looks like they go to this whole new planet. They are on this new spaceship that looks pretty dope. It's called the Bowie. And on this planet, they find these animal hybrids. So they look like humans, but they also look like animals. So I feel like they're going on this journey, kind of going back to some of their roots. Maybe this is where Rocket Raccoon came from. He's going to see some people he used to know and hit you on that emotional level. And it's that line in the trailer that makes me think somebody is going to die in this movie, if not more than one person. But when they say, we'll all fly away together one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. So if I had to speculate what character I think is going to die, probably Drax. I think the Instagram post that Batista did after they wrapped filming on this movie It felt very final for him, and I know it was already stated that this was going to be the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie in this franchise, but I felt like he was saying goodbye to that character, because they didn't say that the characters wouldn't go on to be in the MCU in some other capacity, maybe Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon go into the Thor movies, or maybe even the Avengers movies down the line, but I felt like his post was really saying goodbye to this character the last time he will ever play Drax. So that could mean that his character dies in this movie. But from the level of emotion in this, seeing the villains in this trailer, I feel like even more people could die. And if it feels like that really big ending of them doing something big and triumphant, I feel like you go out on that note of saying goodbye to more characters. This franchise has said goodbye in the past to some characters and led to some pretty emotional moments. So I think, oddly, this franchise started out to be the comic relief and the fun Anything Goes franchise in the MCU. But I think it's had some of the more emotional moments out of any of the movies. And a lot of moments that are just memorable when all the other MCU movies kind of get a little confusing on what happened in what movie. 
These movies continue to feel very distinct, so I credit James Gunn to that. In the trailer, we just get little glimpses of the villains. You have Adam Warlock and the High Evolutionary. You see them on this kind of weird, fleshy-looking monster with hair growing out of it, so it looks like it goes into a pretty weird direction as far as the villains and whatever they're trying to defeat in this. But you also have some really bright, fun colors, which I also always loved about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They have this very neon cosmic color palette that plays very well into all the 80s music in the soundtrack. So it looks like we'll get more of that in this movie. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 hits theaters May 5th, 2023. Will it make us cry? Yeah, probably. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here on the podcast. But before I go, I got to give my listener shout out of the week. This week, I went over to Facebook and a comment that just made my day. The shout out this week goes to Susan Crawford, who commented on a video I posted from the last episode and said, this was a great episode, Mike. Excited to see the new movie. And that is in reference to the review I did on The Fablemans. And the more and more I thought about that movie, the more and more I realized how much I really enjoyed it. So if you haven't seen The Fablemans yet, I highly recommend it. And if you missed that review, you can watch the entire thing on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash or you can check out that clip on Facebook and TikTok slash Next week, I'm going to try to get into the spirit and do an episode on Christmas movies. If there are any specific Christmas movies you want me to cover or topics inside of Christmas movies, let me know, moviemikeD at gmail.com, and I will talk to you next week. And until then, go out and watch good movies. Later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.